You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit lonocoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. Today, we're wrapping up a sweep over Dallas with play-by-play voice Bram Weinstein. We go over everything from Terry McLaurin's rising star to Antonio Gibson, and I share a few of my observations, of course. As a reminder, I posted a podcast Thursday with Washington team president Jason Wright. It's worth your time to hear from him. We go over everything. Talking about culture, the team name, etc., etc., and you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a wrap up of the game on there now. I have a story on Antonio Gibson, I believe, on Saturday. And you can listen to Bram on ESPN 6:30. Before I play my conversation with Bram, here are a few of my observations. The thing I love about Terry McLaurin has always been that he's a culture changer. I remember tweeting that a few months before the draft a couple years ago about him when somebody brought him up, and it's held true. It's obviously more than just his receiving ability. Last week against Cincinnati, for example, he opened a lane for running back Antonio Gibson by blocking down on the defensive end. Wasn't just getting in his way either. He stayed with him because that end gets him if, if, if uh, McLaurin doesn't hold him. It, it, and then and So and that's what he did. He fought. Today, we saw him run down Jalen Smith to prevent a touchdown. Okay, a lot of it was because he's fast. That's a God-given ability. But it was also about desire. When you saw him, he took off right away. He also avoided a block by a linebacker. And for the first time in a long time, I feel they have legitimate leaders on offense. I did not feel that way before. I haven't felt that way in a long time with that offense. I think Alex Smith was two years ago. That was it. I know Trent Williams had the captain that had the C on his chest, but I didn't feel like he was this kind of a leader. And I love covering Trent, love talking to him, but I didn't see him that way, not to the level of McLaurin or Smith. And I think McLaurin is the kind of guy who players follow and respond to, not because they just love the guy, but because he does everything right and he is a he's a good guy, easy to relate to, gets along with guys, but he does things right and he wins. He knows how to win. That play served as an example. And then there's Alex Smith. While McLaurin leads in his own ways, Smith leads with his wisdom and his calm demeanor. Indeed, after the game, we're talking to players on Zoom about being in first place. They're obviously pretty excited. McLaurin said he couldn't stop smiling on the sidelines. That's what it means to these guys. So, yeah, you can say four and seven. What they know is that they have a chance, and that matters to them. But it was Smith who said he doesn't want to get caught up in that because there's a lot of football left, and he's right. I think he took the right tone, and that's the tone you'd expect from somebody who's 36 and has been through a lot. They're only 4-7. and seven. They could be out of first place by Sunday afternoon. But the point is that he was making focus on what you're doing right now and not on anything else beyond right now. That wisdom is why he's so effective in the huddle, and it's why his absence was big a couple years ago. And I think we're seeing what he can, how he can lead a team down the stretch. 
Long way to go, though, as he said. I'll also say I liked watching the clip of Dwayne Haskins running over and helping Smith up after he was knocked out of bounds late in the game. Haskins clearly responds to Smith. That's a testament to both men. It speaks to the way Smith has treated Haskins and the respect that Haskins has for him. I also see Haskins being one of the first out to greet players after touchdowns. Good for him. I don't know what his future holds. Time to discuss that in the future, not now. For now, he deserves a pat on the back for what he showed on the sidelines as a teammate. What I've really liked about Antonio Gibson is the vision and patience he's showing. I've talked about that. Also, he's really learning to lower his shoulder when he runs. We saw that again today. Washington offensive coordinator Scott Turner has wisely incorporated Terry McClellan and J.D. McKissick on that jet sweep action, and that results in the defense having to freeze backside because those are legitimate threats. Listen, a couple years ago, they're running that jet sweep action with Maurice Harris. These guys are dangerous. That creates room for Gibson. I also like that he picked up a blitz on one pass reception, led to a big, led to a big catch. Gibson is, is exactly who I thought he would be when we saw him this summer, and I love how they're using him with the other skill players. Also, if you recall that catch on a low throw by Smith early in the game, that's also something we saw a lot of this summer as well, an example of his athleticism. This kid is going to continue to grow. I also like what we've been seeing from Scott Turner's offense. I think what what you see is when you have a veteran quarterback in charge who knows this offense, this is the result. You can get to more plays. They're extending drives more. I think it's also because Gibson's running harder. They're they're doing better on first downs. Actually, I don't have the stats on that, but I just watch Gibson. Gibson is getting positive yards every first down, three, four yards all the time. That's what needs to happen to sustain drives. Getting positive down and distance situations, extend drives, veteran quarterback, then you can get deeper in your playbook. We saw that with Logan Thomas, the the touchdown or the, the pass to McLaurin. We see it with the trick play with JD McKissick, the little Giants play. We see that with with uh, um, Thomas in the in the in the wild in the Wildcat. I think it's, again, trick plays get into it, but also knowing how to use your personnel. If a guy can do something, find a way to use him and let him do it. I also like seeing Jeremy Reeves get some run at safety. I liked him a couple years ago in the preseason because he was decisive coming up and hitting people, and we saw that on the, on the reverse in the red zone. My God, he, he just shot out like a bullet and made that stop. That's a time where a lot of times guys just kind of freeze up. He did not, or they hesitate, or they break down. They don't. You don't do that. You go right at him. You attack him. That's what he did. We also saw him break up a pass in the end zone like a play or two later along with Jimmy Moreland. Just a good reaction, good read of the play. Washington needs to see what he can do because we've seen what Troy Apke can and can't do. Rivera will put, Ron Rivera will praise Apke when he can. That's fine. But that deep touchdown to Amari Cooper, now while it was not Apke's fault, Ronald Darby was beaten on the play. But Apke's got to provide a safety net. On that play, there was no one else down the field or in the middle to occupy the safety. Yet he was flat-footed as Cooper sprinted down the side. That's something that has happened all the time, too many games, and that's why I'm curious to see what Reeves can do. And I always say, like, they know what these guys can do much better than we do. They don't need to see as much as we do. But that's the guy that I've been anxious to see or curious to see. Now, one other thing on, on, on Jeremy Reeves. A lot was made a couple weeks ago when they didn't sign Eric Reed that, that uh, Revere wanted to bring up Jeremy Reeves because he des- deserves a chance. One thing to note Eric Reed is a strong safety. So even if he was here, the guy that he would be playing with or, or would have been replaced is Cam Curl. Cam Curl's doing a really good job. They don't need that. They need a free safety. That's either Reeves or Apke right now. So let's see what Reeves can do.
This game changed when Dallas's O-line lost two more starters. Make no mistake, it altered the, their desire to run the ball at least for a while and allowed the Washington line to eventually take over in the second half. I still don't like what I've seen in the past defense, and Bram and I are going to discuss that in a minute. Of Washington's four wins, three have come against banged-up teams where they had an injury in that game, whether it's Joe Burrow, whether it's Dallas's line. They even lost Dalton the first game, but I don't think they were winning that game anyways, meaning Dallas. Now, Dallas still had dangerous skill talent. Andy Dalton is a legitimate starting QB. Not the best, but he is capable of hurting them, as we saw. If you guys are Seinfeld fans, I kind of compare Andy Dalton to the Seinfeld girlfriend who looked good in some lights and not in others. That's Andy Dalton. So Washington still had to do its thing. The offense still had to take care of, care, take care of Dallas's line with its own makeshift line, so that kind of evens out. So while you can people can sit there and feel bad for Dallas, Washington was playing with some guys out as well. I mean, listen, David Sharp at right tackle. And I, one thing I will give them credit for, too, if you noticed early on he had some problems. They started using a lot more play action and using Jeremy Sprinkle to help David Sharp on that action against him. And, that, and I think that mattered. But, yeah, Washington had its own issues. I'm going to close by talking about Montez Sweat. He's another guy I felt would have an excellent year based on what we saw and heard from him this summer. You, can, you could hear the growth in what he, how, he, how he felt like he was rushing with a plan last year toward the end and the things, little things he was picking up on as a, as, a, as a pass rusher. He's playing with more confidence and more consistency, and that touchdown was an example of his athleticism. He's among the young guys who were introduced to the NFL viewing world on Thursday along with McLaurin and Gibson and, to a lesser degree, Chase Young because they already knew him. He made a couple plays too, but those guys made some huge plays. Alex Smith is the feel-good story, but these guys are the building blocks. That's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with Bram Weinstein, the voice of the Washington football team. You've heard me talking about Lono Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, LoneOakCoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little Jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Bram Weinstein. Bram, before we get into the game, because that's what people are going to want to talk about, 41-16, sweep of Dallas, big deal and all that. But you guys got a gift from Tailgate Ted in the booth today, I hear. So a friend of the show, Tailgate Ted, um, deserves immense credit. I am not kidding you. That was the best turkey I've ever had. And I don't know when he made it, how he got it there, who, how he got it in the building for that matter. Because as you know, like we were at FedEx Field. There's like eight of us. The place is dark. I don't know how he got it there and how he got it in the building. And it was unbelievable. I just DM'd him. I'm like, you have to send me the recipe. And he did. So I'm going to try it out soon. It was amazing. 
I'm also going to be giving him my address when I'm done with the, with the recording this. But let's get to the game, man, because that's that was quite. Listen, they're four and seven. We all know what this division is and all that. But forty-one sixteen over the Cowboys always a good thing to see for a Washington fan. How do you how do you stack this one up, Ram? I mean, you've been rooting for this team for a long time. How do you stack this one up? So, I mean, winning on Thanksgiving, you know, is it's rare, you know, against them. This is now two and eight in the 10 appearances. Most of the time the score goes the other way. Um, so that's, you know, I mean, for just from that perspective alone, it's just, you know, I've had a lot of Thanksgivings ruined by watching Dallas play Washington. Um, but how about this one? Uh, the three points allowed the first meeting was the fewest ever in the rivalry. And the 41 scored here are the most in the rivalry. So what an incredible year against that team at this moment. And I, I get it like Dallas, especially after they lost both tackles on the right. opening drive. I mean, I knew they were going to be in trouble at that point. Um, but you know what? Like I, I, this team fights hard. They play hard and they were dominant in the fourth quarter, albeit with a couple of really questionable things that Dallas did that I think kind of helped along the way. Like I don't know what in the world they were doing, running a fake punt at that point in the game when they did it. Um, but listen, I'm not complaining. I'll take it. Um, it was it was an incredible win. And look, the schedule gets real hard from here for the next few weeks. But if if it only lasts even for a couple of days, I'll take it first place in late November. But yeah, I mean, listen, it may not last a long time. I don't know. But they but what I know is they swept Dallas. And like you said, a very convincing win. I think the problem for this franchise has been they've been on the other end of those kind of games. I mean, they've they've lost those games where they have multiple guys go out. And there's not a lot of people shedding tears for them. And they've, it's been a rough year and for so much stuff going on. I think it kind of highlights this game a little bit more. Um, let's start with the Terry McLaurin play. How, when you're calling that, what are you seeing and what are you thinking? I mean, I really wish I could have seen that live because I'm watching it on TV. But fortunately, the angles showed him, you know, chasing him down. I think I said it. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> like I was ahead of it. And I saw him chasing him down and he caught him. And clearly that moment in that stand, if they end up in the playoffs, we're going to look back at that and go, that was the play. I mean, that was really honestly the play. And, I, you know, I came into this thinking um, this is an opportunity. You know, this team had played at one o'clock every Sunday. Um, I can't remember any season where they hadn't had a single night game or a single four o'clock game that wasn't, you know, in a window because they just happened to be on the West Coast. You know, they were th they're an afterthought team. And so for the first time this year, like the country was literally going to see them. And I kept thinking all week, I'm like, this is the moment where McLaurin or Chase Young or Sweat are going to stand out and you're going to see it and people are going to see it. And I didn't realize Gibson was going to have the game that he had, but I was so glad for McLaurin because he's such, he's become such an integral role. He has taken on clearly a leadership position with the team. It's been earned. And that was an ultimate hustle play. And he got, it got paid off by the defense holding them down there. And again, I think if they make the playoffs, we're going to look back and that's that's the play of the year for them. I mean, in my it's opinion, Levar, I mean, it's Lavar yeah. against Carolina. Yes. Back, back in 2001. Yes, it is. You know, it is one of those moments. And, um, you know, like this guy's been kind of everything for them in every way. And he's a star. And it's funny, you know, because you know, I talk to a lot of people, you know, we, we, you know, we watch him every day and we see it every day. 
And his name just doesn't roll off people's tongues, you know, and they're like, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. And when I say it, people just kind of like don't even think about it. And I go, first of all, you should go look at his stats. And I'm like, and there are metrics that will shock you. Like he has the most yards after a catch of any receiver in the NFL right now. Um, in this franchise's history, they uh, he has passed marks in like first 25 career games. He's like passed people like Art Monk, Charlie Taylor, Gary Clark, and Charlie Brown, who held a lot of these things. And he's a captain, and it happened organically. They didn't name him that. Like, he became that. And, you know, I think he is it, – it's really great that on Thanksgiving that he was one of the guys that really stood out because he deserves it. And I think you and I both know this, and I know this as someone who, you know, grew up here. Um, these are the games where you have an indelible mark on the franchise and people remember you forever. Um, oh, my you know, gosh, We do the postgame show with Santana Moss, and I'm like, you tell me there's a day that goes by that someone doesn't bring up a Monday night game in Dallas where you had two touchdowns. Like it, it stays with you forever. And I'm so glad that he's at this point in his career. And hopefully it's the first of many for him. You brought up Gibson strong game against Dallas. The first time, another good game. But when you look at this offense, you know, just you look at Gibson and the offense, where do you see the growth both in Gibson and the offense? I was very surprised they were going to be able to run the ball today. I mean, especially when I saw Cornelius Lucas was out again, and if you'd watched Dallas's front over the last couple games with Pittsburgh and Minnesota, I didn't like that matchup. You know, I, I didn't like them going between the tackles against them. I didn't. Um, I think it is clear that Antonio Gibson is getting more confident being a running back. I mean, like, I, I think there was a long way to go there initially for him to exhibit the skills of what a pure running back can do. He's getting more patient. He clearly has a lot of speed. He runs with power. Now he fights through tackles. Um, he has really grown. And I think we got to give Scott Turner a lot of credit here. I mean, this is the third quarterback he's on. He's playing with a rookie running back who didn't play running back in college. Um, he's got a bunch of guys at receiver outside of McLaurin that everyone said are whatevers and you're going to be replaced. And that might not necessarily be true. Um, and he's got a jumbled up offensive line where his right tackle is playing left tackle. And the guy who's playing right tackle right now, frankly, needs help, you know, to keep the lineup right. And they're moving the ball effectively and they're making big plays and they're coming together. I mean, there's a lot to like here. And like, I know coming out of my mouth is calling the games, you know, like I, I don't want it to come off that way, but there really is genuinely organically a lot to like. And the funny part about this is, is more and more and more, I think there's more holes on the defense than there are on the offense. Like, I, they're going to have to make a decision about quarterback. There's no doubt about that. And they're clearly going to have to go find a left tackle. You know, like, that's going to have to happen. And then I'm sure ancillary other parts, like potentially another running back, potentially another receiver, like we're talking about that stuff, but not number ones any longer. On defense, I, I think we are talking about bigger, more widespread, let's see what we've got in the back part of the defense and try to fill that. And I would have never anticipated that being the case at the beginning of the season. No, and it's funny because, you know, even Ron Rivera said this at the beginning of the year, talking about how it may not be until next year that we see what the offense can do. Now, that's at a time where he had a young quarterback that he knew was going to take a while to develop. I think Alex Smith, having him in there and his experience, has allowed this offense to develop. And Ron Rivera has talked about that, what he, his impact on other guys. But how much do you think that's attributable just to having a veteran like Smith in there? Yeah, I, I think it's a big deal. Um, I still don't know what his future is. I don't know whether he wants to play or not after this. Who knows? Like, and So I think it's very premature to think about what next is. And today it was, 
this was kind of back to what I remember with him a couple of years ago and really most of his career, which is he's not going to throw a lot of balls down the field. He's very efficient. He did make one bad mistake today, but in general, he doesn't turn the ball over very much. So he kind of keeps you in games. And there was one play again, and this is not the second time where like he can't run like he used to, but like he had one extremely athletic play where he had to kind of spin out of the pocket and roll to his left right. and ran out of bounds. And then like, fortunately, um, whoever the Cowboys defender was decided not to tag him because he could have. I mean, he took could have taken a shot at him if he wanted to. I'll tell you the other thing that I loved seeing today that I that I was really happy to see today. Dwayne Haskins jumped up off the sideline and helped him up, Agreed. you know. And then I just saw him tweet something saying, "I got your back, eleven. So I I like see. There's a lot of buy in here. I mean, it's a four and seven team um, that feels like they're doing something, and and I appreciate that and. It's hard not to kind of get kind of bought in here. Granted, you know, think about the teams they beat for a second for the four. Like Cincinnati's got two wins. Philadelphia's struggling big time. Dallas has three wins. They haven't beaten anybody yet, frankly. They haven't beaten anybody yet. But I do like what's going on here. And we'll find out over the next few weeks kind of where they stack up with some of the big time players. And I, to me, and this is less about get your thoughts on this less about winning the division and still about building that foundation. No doubt. And, and, and that's, that's what I think that you're more or less alluding to in that regard. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I felt like coming into the season, if they got to eight and eight, that would be a really good result. If they got to eight and eight and we knew that Dwayne Haskins was their answer at quarterback, that felt like a good result. They're probably not going to end up at eight and eight and Dwayne Haskins. We have no idea what his future is as quarterback of this team. So both of those questions aren't going to really be answered, but I do like what's happening here. I mean, this team shows a tremendous amount of resilience. This was interesting today to see them play ahead. You know, like we haven't seen that. We've seen very little of that where they let it half, had a lead after three. You know, they've been playing from behind and we've seen what they can do today. You know, I, I still think Dallas made a couple of ghastly errors in the fourth quarter that really opened the door for the floodgates opening like that. And But listen, that's on them and that's their problem for running a <laughs> fake punt on fourth and 10 in their own territory. Their own 24. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, like, if I, <laughs> I'd like to be a fly on the wall of that press conference where McCarthy has to explain why they thought that was a good idea, you know, at that point in the game. It almost felt like they were conceding. They don't think they can stop Washington's offense. And I don't know why they would feel that way. Like, that was crazy. That was crazy. I, that's the one I don't get. Like, I didn't have a problem with them going for that first fourth down. And we were talking a couple inches. I know it's a yeah. gamble, but that that punt, and I that's where I think you have to give Washington a lot of credit. And this came up on the post game with with Rivera, but you have a rookie in Kaliki Hudson staying home on that play. You can go back to that um, red zone stop where there's Dallas tries reverse, and they have guys staying home on that play. Some disciplined football that I don't know that we're used to seeing here disciplined, detailed football that we're not used to seeing here. Yeah. I mean, I think all we really wanted was, look, this team needed standards and practices across the board as an organization, really. But like, let's just stick to the field here for a minute. They needed a coach that was going to come in here and demand accountability. And, you know, I still feel like in general, up to this game, really, that they've been very uneven, especially on defense. Not today, really. I mean, listen, they had their bad moments. Amari Cooper got them a couple times, right? But I don't know. I chalked that up to, all right, that's a Pro Bowl receiver. You got beat by a couple times. Okay. You know, like I, I feel like that's going to happen. That's okay. I think largely this has been very uneven. Like The Bengals walked up and down the field on them last week for the first half. Burrow got hurt. Things changed. 
you know, I think we felt this way week after week where I'm going, there are times where the defense is just great. And there are times where they're really average and the numbers seem to reflect that they're great, but it doesn't feel that way when you watch them. Today felt like a way more complete performance, you know, and one of the first ones we've had. But to your point, I still feel like what we're looking at is, and I've pointed this way the whole time, 2021, they had no offseason, new coach, throw in cancer, all of the other organizational things that are going on. Oh, by the way, as it turns out, at least initially, the early returns are they don't like the rookie, the young quarterback. They want to go a different direction. Uh Oh, we lost the backup. You know, there's a lot that's happened here that adds up to you have to like what you see, whether it ends up in a home playoff game in January or not. And, you know, I think all along, if they end up being really competitive, especially against Pittsburgh and Seattle over the next couple of weeks, then I think you're going to have seen some major, major growth. And if they somehow luck into a home playoff game, all the better. You know, I want to see how do they, I don't care who they play. I want to see how they play in a game that matters like that. We haven't seen it like this. And if they're going to compete the way that they've competed, I mean, why can't they beat someone like Minnesota or the Bears or whoever the wild card team is that they end up playing? And then all of a sudden you start talking about, all right, you know, like this team came to play. Are they a Super Bowl team? No. But like the building blocks for this is what a winning culture looks like, which is all that we've wanted through all of this kind of starts to materialize. Yeah. And I think that to me is the key part. And I think just a couple more things, too, with the defense, my concern and see what you think, you know, in the first half before Dallas started losing their, you know, um, with they lost the tackles. They were clearly moving the ball on them, especially through the air. My concern is you got Roethlisberger next week, and in a few weeks you have Russell Wilson. That's where I can yeah. have some concerns with this defense that they haven't faced a lot of really good quarterbacks this year. And when they face even guys who are efficient or competent, they have some issues. That's where I still have some problems with them. Yeah, I, I like. I, I agree. I like. It's funny, I still do feel like they rely a little too much on just the front four and say, go get the quarterback. And I think we have found, you know, that that doesn't really work for them. Now, when they bring pressure, they become dynamic and fast. Yeah. Um, And we've seen that a couple of times. I'm with you, though. Like, it'll be an interesting test to see them play Roethlisberger. Yeah. We had a lot of that. I mean, you know, they had Kyler Murray early, right? I guess Baker's okay. You know, like, I was like, you know, anyone's going to call him bad. Burrow's pretty good, but he's rookie. But I'm with you. I mean, largely they have not run into, you know, the Tom Brady, Drew Brees. You know, they haven't hit the litany of really good quarterbacks, and they're about to hit two or three. I guess if you throw Garoppolo in too, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens here, you know, over the next few weeks. And it will be very telling about them. I mean, look, they're about to play at least – you know, by record, the best team in the NFL. So this is going to be a heck of a test for them. You know, and whether Pittsburgh will have played for two weeks will be interesting too, you know, because we're right. not sure that they're even going to play on Sunday. I, I saw Lamar Jackson is one of the players that has been reported to have COVID now. Um, so I don't know whether, I don't know whether that game's happening this weekend. So they may be off for two weeks by the time they get around to them. Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you. I like, I'm really excited. Like I was a month ago, I was looking at that after either one of the Giants or Lions lost going, that one's not going to be pretty. You know, it's like one of those, you know, we they, they're losing to bad teams or average teams. What's going to happen when they play a juggernaut like this? It's going to be ugly. It's going to be very telling. I'm now excited. Like, do I think they're going to win? I have a hard time buying that. But, like, do I, do I want to see it as a measuring stick of really where they are and how they compete? Right. 
Yeah, I think it's, it, you know, now all of a sudden you got me intrigued. Like, I want to see what right. happens now. I think it's interesting. Last thing then, how appropriate would it be if you have, you kind of mentioned it, you know, with Scott Turner down to his third quarterback, but that third guy is Alex Smith. And like you said, we don't know what his future is. And we're really seeing him kind of, you know, ease into back into who he was before the injury as far as efficiency and all that. Um, but how appropriate would it be if they have this comeback with that guy leading the way? I mean, it's, I mean, he's already going to get comeback player of the year. I mean, like there's just got a no way around that. And if he's somehow playing in a playoff game, I, I mean, it's beyond really it's beyond. And, um, you know, all along I, I'm now at the point now where when I watch him, I, I don't, I'm not wincing any longer because I feel like he is going to protect himself. Um, this isn't clearly scary to him in any way. He can move. He is still mobile. He's not as fast as he was, but he's still mobile. And um, this is turning into really an unbelievable story. I mean, it was a great story. Now it's an unbelievable one, especially if they somehow get on some kind of heater here down the stretch. And all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about like, well, how far can they go with this? You know, he is an overall number one pick. He does have a ton of experience. Um, where are they going with this? And then you, you're going to start looking at these metrics of their defense and you're going to go, all right, wait a minute. Like what's happening here? So I, I, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And, you know, but everything I read about, like, you know, people are asking, is he going to be back? I, it's so reactionary, you know, like the second right. Haskins was benched, it was, well, they got to get rid of him. No, they don't. Like they have two years left of his contract. They don't have to get rid of him. And in Smith's case, you know, they're going to keep writing things like, well, they want to bring him back. Well, has anyone asked him whether he even wants to play? Does he even know the answer to that at this I'm point? Sure like, it's just, either. it's so premature, you know? And I, so I, I want to stay in the moment now because this is fun. What's going on right now is yeah. fun. And we were talking after the game, like in the booth, we were like, just think if they won one of those two Giants games, yeah. what this would feel like right now. Either one of them, either one of them, that they'd be sitting here front running heading into December to win the division. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll listen all as a re reporter, all you want the team to, that you cover to be interesting. And a four and seven team is really interesting because of the division, but because of a lot of stuff they have going on with Alex, with a lot of the young guys, you know, coach with cancer and, and all that, but going to be, it, it, like you said, it'll be an interesting last five games and that's fine by me. It'll be fun to watch. So Bram, thanks a lot. Thanks, John. That's it for this episode. A busy week on the podcast, folks. Thanks to Bram for joining me and thank you for listening. Many of you have always said, just be Dallas and you'll be happy. Well, be happy. And thanks to Lone Oak for its continued support. Talk to you next week.